So in my quest to finally get through all my listener mail, I'm going to turn to another questions from Mikey at Pokemon Crossroads. This one is about the Sun and Moon anime, and I'm really excited about this one. He writes, As for Ash, we are seeing a lot of Ash at home thanks to the Sun and Moon anime. He sure does like to watch TV. Anything you've noticed about Ash at home? <laughs> is there anything I've noticed? Well, first of all, if we're talking about Sun and Moon, let us just address, this season is on acid. The animators are clearly having the time of their lives. I have not seen such crazy faces in all of my life. And in Alola, like, literally nothing is overkill. It's, it's wonderful. The Sun and Moon anime is the most hilarious thing I've seen out of Pokemon in a long time. And it's, it's sort of cracky in the way that Hoenn is, and chaotic in the way Kanto is, but it's sort of a controlled chaos. The one criticism I would give it is that the overarching plot, like, without the Pokémon League to kind of offer that as a minimum base, it's, it's having trouble sticking. And that's not a horrible thing, because Pokémon is historically made up a lot of standalone episodes, it's just... I, I am glad that we're sort of starting to move the greater plot forward a bit. But Pokemon School, like, this is this is really fun. Th with every region, like, though, I just keep asking where the fungus is Gary. Like, he'd love the school life here. Well, maybe not here specifically, but school is kind of more his bag than it ever was Ash's. Like, I'm surprised Ash is loving it as much as he is. Although I am glad the series also points out he's not particularly good at the book learning. Um, but as for new things we see out of Ash this region, um, particularly with home life, yeah, Mikey, you're right. There's a lot more TV in his life, or at least in Rotom's life. But more than that, even for me, is Ash settling into a routine I don't think we've ever seen him stay in one place for so long, like, since he was nine. So to see him have a bedroom that he actually uses and, and set meal times and a place to come back to, doing chores and buying groceries and basically being all domestic with Professor Fanservice, like, this is a whole new side of Ash. I, I love that he's halfway super capable for a 10-year-old, like, because he has been traveling for forever, and also supremely uncapable because he's been traveling forever. Like, the washing machine, he is, I don't know, <laughs> he doesn't know what that how to work that. But yeah, the most unusual thing for me is that Ash is living in a house, and, and basically being cared for by a guardian 
who can take the position of male father figure. That's huge. And the two of them, Ash and uh, Professor Kikui, haven't had any real serious moments together, but just having a male role model in your daily life on hand is a big deal for a young boy, and we don't know one way or the other if Ash has ever had that. So for me, I'm very much hoping they make some use of that, but even as they've been going, like, without much attention called to it in the unconscious way, like the image of Ash going home to an adult man who feeds him and encourages him and makes him do his homework, like, that's amazing. And he's good with Ash, too. Like, I like how he deals with Ash and talks to him and and reprimands him from time to time. Like, them eating dinner together and watching Sherlock Smeagol and Hawaii Five-O. It's like, they're a family. They even have a puppy. Like, <laughs> this does things to me. I love Kikui. He's the best. But yeah, we've not seen anything really big and monumental, just like lots of little things about how Ash acts differently, I guess, when he's in a house in a structured environment versus when he's like, freeze the wind. I was expecting him to chafe a little more than he has, like to not always be on the move and going to new places and seeing new things. Although I think that does manifest itself a bit in episodes where they get to go to other islands because Ash is like oh my gosh we're traveling <laughs> we're going a new place like all the students are excited but Ash definitely and then the one episode um the Brock and Misty episode uh where the teacher's like we're, we're gonna go somewhere really special guys and Ash is like really excited and he's like we're going to Kanto and Ash is just like oh <laughs> that was kind of precious and there was also an episode where Rockruff had run off in the middle of the night and Ash woke up and noticed it wasn't in bed, so ran off after it. And in the morning, like, he's like, what are you doing? Like, you can't just run off without telling us, like, actually expecting Ash to act like a kid and tell adults where he's going, which since he left on his Pokemon journey, Ash has not had to deal with. He has not had to answer to anybody as to where he's going. <laughs> So those have been little interesting moments, but yeah, on the general whole, I'm a little surprised that Kikui hasn't had to deal with more of this. Like, no, Ash, like, I'm actually supposed to be sort of kind of taking care of you. Like, you do need to tell me where you're going and you can't just run off on a vacation for three weeks because you felt like it. Like, things like that. Like, you can interpret a lot of stuff Ash does as having that mindset, but it's not become a problem or, like, to the point where... Other characters have to deal with it. Basically, Ash does okay in a situation where he has to put down roots. Like, he likes to be on the move, but that doesn't necessarily mean he has to travel all the time. And part of that, you know, is not staying at the Pokemon school in Alola indefinitely. He will eventually return to the Pokemon journey part of his journey. But it gives me hope because I have a dream in my head of like 10 years down the road, like after the series finally meets its end and we kind of see Ash in the future as an adult. And in my head, he totally just bought a ranch out somewhere and like all his Pokemon live there together with him in a big house and they're happy. So... <laughs> 
Knowing knowing that he can handle living like in one place and one town and just be surrounded by thousands of Pokemon and not necessarily have to be going off chasing legendaries and climbing every mountain, fording every stream. Like that gives me hope for his future. He he lives a balanced life after all. But since I, I did mention those Brock and Misty episodes, I finally saw them, and I gotta tell you, there is going to be a special episode covering the Sun and Moon episodes where they show up in the Japanese version, because I can't wait five to ten years to discuss the battling that goes down in that episode. I don't think I can even wait however long it's going to take for those episodes to come out in English. So I'm just going to do it. It'll be a special episode on the Patreon uh, for those subscribers there. Um, that two-parter where we meet up with Takeshi and Kasumi again. And, and like I said earlier, I got it wrong. They don't come to Alola. Satoshi goes to Kanto. And, and it's got some glorious moments and like continuity cavalcades and... If you've been like me and just itching for a proper gym battle to happen this region, they were saving it for this episode. The Pokemon Company delivered no disappointments here. I have so much to say about it. So so I'll be working on that over the next week or so and dropping a special episode on the Patreon feed. Speaking of, I just recently today dropped another episode on the Patreon feed, the special episode covering Pokemon Special and Pokemon Adventures. Whatever title you like to call that series by, I am covering it. And we finally finished Volume 1, Chapters 10 through 14. That episode featured possible references to tentacle porn and zombies and demonic possession and Pokemon getting sliced in half and just lots of general weirdness. It almost turned into Peacappy Podcast After Dark. I was a little scared. But we made it through. It is still a manga for kids. I think. Maybe. So if you want to check that out, you should visit patreon.com slash professionaldork. Uh, those who are subscribing for a dollar per month get access to all those special episodes. So far, in addition to finishing Volume 1 of Pokemon Adventures, we also covered uh, the four parts of Pokemon Origins, and I guess I might have to do some more special episodes because they've done more stuff with Origins recently. We also covered Pokemon Zen Show. There was an episode where I ranked the Pokemon movies and then all the stuff that I do with PokePress featuring Pokemon music. So there's a lot of content there to, to go through and excite. So if that interests you, I'll have that info on my blog page and I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. And since I mentioned PokePress, on their YouTube channel, you can find some of the discussions that we've done together, like uh, the Deoxys uh, movie ending themes. They also have interviews and reports from various conventions like GeekCon and their Super Smash Bros. tournament. And if you didn't know, uh, Stephen of PokePress does a local radio show. It's a low-powered FM station that features video game music that he curates on his show. So if you're into that, you can listen to it on the radio if you're local, and if not, on SoundCloud, the radio station's website, uh, www.mvlp.org. And you can find more information on PokePress's YouTube channel 
or at pokepress.blogspot.com. And I'll also have links to those things in my blog page. And again, I'll give you that at the end of the episode. And it is time to get into that episode. If if you're kind of new to this podcast, what we do is we go through every episode of the anime and just kind of talk about what's happening, where the characters are going in their various journeys and, and how they're developing as people. Sometimes we analyze the script writing or, or poke fun at it as it sometimes goes. <laughs> and last episode, a whole lot of drama went down. So it's the morning after. Um, last time I talked to y'all, Ash had his brawly vendetta and, and Trico got hurt in the Pokemon battle and they lost. Um, this morning when the kids wake up, Ash does not appear to have spent the night in bed. May, Max, and Brock all wake up and find his bed is empty. It doesn't look like it's been slept in at all. So where did he go? Well, it's Ash, and one of his Pokemon has been hurt and is resting overnight in the Pokemon Center. Like, where do you think he is? He's in the hallway just outside Trico's treatment room. Um, Pikachu's with him. They're wrapped up in blankets and just trying to doze on the bench. Ash is really worried about Trico and Talo, particularly Trico, and just wants to be here for them and be here when they wake up. Luckily, they're just fine. Good night's rest and all is cured. Would that I had a Pokemon Center in my life. So with that, they let the Pokemon out and the whole gang goes to breakfast. May's Wurmple has the same relationship with food that May does, and, and in fact I do. The more the better. Gotta eat if you want to evolve, right? Well, if breakfast is out of the way, Ash is ready to talk training. Time to get down to business and defeat the surfer bros. May's like, that's nice, but where? Well, a direction presents itself. Remember that company president at the Devon Corporation? We met him back in Restboro City. The first person, in fact, to completely derail Ash's gym battle plans. It may be that the entire incident with Brawly is all his fault. <laughs> but he's the guy who befriended Max and fixed the Pokenav. Remember, he said he had a kid hanging around Duford Island, Stephen, and they should go look him up. Stephen Stone. Max has heard he's in some nearby caves, so the gang plans to go and meet him. This granite cave will not only be cool, but will also be a good place for training. Brawley did say anywhere in nature is good. And Stephen is reportedly looking for a rare stone, which could also be cool and useful information, too. So they head out on the road. They meet an old man who says this part of the island is famous for water-type Pokemon. Oh, what a shame we didn't bring Misty on this trip. But the old guy is pretty nice. He's willing to lend the kids some of his fishing rods so they can try to catch some Pokemon. <laughs> Misty and Silen. Oh, we need to treat them to a Hoenn vacation. And there will be research in a cave. We also need Gary on this on this journey. Um, well, all of the kids think this is a great idea, except Ash. He was pretty gung-ho about training. And, and it's so cute, because he's just in the background. He's like, but guys... <laughs> um, but Brock quickly gets him back on board, like, anywhere in nature is a good place to train, including fishing holes. This all seems like a good idea. Until you realize that the old guy by the sea is actually James from Team Rocket, and his buddies are hiding in the bushes scheming. Not so great. Gotta say, Team Rocket, this must be one heck of a plan. I, I still haven't figured it out. Far as I can tell, you're just 
actually helping the twerps. Um, but Ash does find a way to turn this into bonding time with his Pokemon. He lets Trico out, and it, Ash, and Pikachu all chill in the sun. And they wait for something to bite. May and Max bicker over the correct way to fish. Uh, but it is May that gets the first bite of the day. An octillery, well done! Uh, but just pulling it out of the water is only half the battle. You also have to, well, battle. And May, that's an area where she struggles, but she's game to try. She sends out Wurmple. Uh, not fast enough to prevent Octillery from attacking Max, nor can she prevent Wurmple from using Stringshot on Max instead of Octillery. So, it's turning into a rough day for Max. I don't know why Octillery thinks Max is its opponent, just because he's the shortest, I guess. He looks like Pokemon size. Octillery tackles Max and knocks him out, and then jumps back into the water. So all we got from that is some bruises. It's kind of a disappointment, particularly for Max. So it's back to the poles, and Ash gets a bite on the line next. He reels in a corefish. Woohoo! He's got a Pokedex, that one. But we're all very familiar with this Pokemon if we've been watching the series the past several years. Let's see how things go. This corefish is really aggressive. It attacks basically everybody on the seaside. Again, poor Max. Uh, but Pikachu, too, ends up on the receiving end of an attack, a crab hammer, and then corefish returns to the water. So, the kids resume fishing. And if you've been wondering through all of this, just what is Team Rocket's dastardly plan? That is a good question. And it is one of their more creative ones. They plan to have Ash fish out the Magikarp sub. Like, like, for reals. And, and since Ash can't possibly reel that in, he'll fall into the water, his Pokeballs will float to the surface for easy pickings, and no one will be around to rescue poor exhausted Pikachu. It's, well, it's a plan. They get points for creativity. The problem with it is, or, or one of the problems, the main problem, and I still can't believe it, the four Torps together can actually reel in the Magikarp sub. Ash has built muscle carrying around Pikachu all day, I guess. Even with the pedals on the sub breaking so Team Rocket can't provide, like, counterforce, it's still pretty impressive when the kids reel in the giant metal Magikarp of everyone's dreams. So... Team Rocket is going to have to capture Pikachu the old-fashioned way with an electric-proof net. And Trico is going to have to rescue its buddy the old-fashioned way with Tackle. So, now what? Well, Jesse and May can talk trash about whose Wurmple is the cutest. Or the smartest. <laughs> My Wurmple's attending night school to get its PhD. <laughs> like, <laughs> this goes on for a while. They're basically mom-shaming each other. Max goes over both Wurmple with a measuring tape and a magnifying glass and determines that both Wurmple are exactly the same, as if anyone cares about reality in this argument. Jesse proposes a battle as the only real way to prove who's better, dueling string shots. It's a short battle, though, because James tries to steal a base while the Wurmple are duking it out, prepares to throw the net, Trico preempts that and attacks. Meowth goes crashing into the two Wurmple, and Jessie realizes that her team is kind of on the losing side right now. So she grabs Wurmple, and they all flee. 
And by flee, I mean electrocuted by Pikachu and sent blasting off in an exploding Magikarp sub. Of course, it's only after they're gone that Meg gets a good look at her Wurmple. And something doesn't feel right. She gives it some food, and it nibbles on a few bites, but that's it. May says this isn't her Wurmple. Something is wrong. Brock says she can test for sure by trying to recall it into its Pokeball. If it can't go in the Pokeball, then yeah, it's, it's the wrong Wurmple. Or, you know, Pikachu. It's one scientific method they can't rely on to tell that Pokemon apart. Um, but in this case, Wurmple's Pokeball does not work. That means in the kerfuffle, May's Wurmple got mixed up with Jesse's Wurmple. So now the kids gotta find Team Rocket and get their friend back. Or, you know, wait five minutes. Team Rocket has a way of finding them. But knowing their luck, this would be the one time Team Rocket was like, you know what, I give up, let's take a boat back to Kanto. Meanwhile, with Team Rocket, they're getting some inklings that this Wurmple might not be Jesse's, since Jesse's Wurmple loves Jesse and doesn't eat like a pig. Meowth comes up with the simple way to solve the problem since he speaks Pokemon, just ask, like, hey, you are Wurmple or no? But May's Wurmple kind of evades the question, just says it's still hungry. I guess it will train under whoever will feed it. But the trainers, Jesse and May, are both getting nostalgic and flashing back to the times they met their Pokemon and the good memories. Jesse's might not be entirely accurate, they seem to be inspired by a Taylor Swift song, but the feeling is sincere. And finally, Taylor tracks down Team Rocket and we can all meet up again. May and Jesse confront each other and propose a hostage exchange, but Jesse swipes her Wurmple back and runs off with both Pokemon! Should have just, like, put both Wurmple on the ground and have them crawl to their respective trainers. Like, come on. The Wurmple both have agency. And legs. Though in the case of May's Wurmple, terrible judgment. <laughs> so Team Rocket escapes in the balloon and begins the fantasy of how this Pokemon is so gonna make the boss happy and further the cause of Team Rocket. And James is like, guys, it's a worm. The twerps fell the balloon with Taylo, like they do, and now it's time for a full-out brawl. Pokemon battle, Surviper, Trico, Taylo, Cacnea, whoever can fight, get out there! <laughs> In the end, Team Rocket loses and goes blasting off, and everyone has their Wurmple back. Ash, Brock, and Max are all impressed that May's getting close enough with her Pokemon that she can tell when an identical Pokemon isn't hers. So she's starting to grow as a trainer, good for her. I don't know what it says about Jesse, because it didn't seem Jesse picked up on that too quickly. Although, interesting, James and Meowth both figured out this was not Jesse's Wurmple. Pretty much from the get-go, like, when, when the reveal happens, they're like, I knew it. I like to think with Jesse, though, it was more that she kind of did see some signs, but didn't want to believe them. Like, didn't want to admit that she could mix up her Wurmple kind of a thing. Like, definitely despite having had her Pokemon, like Arbok and, and such, for a long time, I would not say she's a particularly skilled Pokemon trainer, but she did love that Wurmple. So I can also see her being like, yeah, Wurmple's just going through a, a bit of a phase. Pokemon change over time. Like, just like people do, this happens. But it is interesting that May, who, like, has never been on any journey with a Pokemon ever, is kind of picking up those skills of 
of being a Pokemon trainer a little bit better and like learning how to tell her Wurmple apart more than Jesse, who has been traveling with Pokemon for quite a long time. I guess it's all about where your focus is. I wouldn't call what Jesse does with Pokemon exactly training. Whereas May, even if she didn't particularly like Pokemon, she was surrounded by them all growing up and, and two very stellar trainers with great relationships with their Pokemon. So theoretically, when she starts her journey, she should be ahead of the curve. Anyway, that's our episode today. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to comment on anything that happened in this episode or break down other topics, talk about things that you have noticed about Ash throughout Sun and Moon, you can visit our website, peekappypodcast.blogspot.com or shoot an email to peekappypodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at peekappypodcast. And as always, you can subscribe and listen to us on iTunes or Zoom or Podkicker or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next time. This has been Peek Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. <laughs>